0: Now, when you get to the pitch, they're already pre-programmed to kind of do things that you're asking. So go ahead and grab out that pen of yours. Okay, I got my pen. Okay, write down your name, your phone number, your email address. Now go ahead and tick that box that says, I want more information. Great. Now reach into your back pocket, grab out your credit (laughs) card, and take those 16 numbers, and then just, just... (laughs) <laughs> not, not quite like that, right. but you get the idea that it just becomes this thing where it's Simon says, right? I say this, you do this. It's pretty easy to program an audience if you do it from the very beginning and do it in a, a non-annoying way.
1: How are entrepreneurs like us daring bravely to build a stage, ditch the sweatpants, and step up to the mic? How do we create our own transformative events so we can get our message out into the world in a bigger way that's not only profitable, but it's actually something we can be proud of. That's the question. And the answers are inside this podcast. My name is Sarah Pfeiffer. Welcome to Green Room Central. Today I brought into Green Room Central Studios Tom Jacobs, also known as the Impact Pilot. He helps business owners drive more sales from stage by helping them find their impact story. Because everyone loves a good story, and an impactful one can move the listener to take action and buy. Tom, welcome to Green Room Central Studios. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Say hello to Lynchpin Nation.
0: Hey, everybody. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Sarah.
1: Tom, tell me what your superpower is as it relates to events.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so I realized, I don't know how many years ago... Uh, When I first started doing events and and started really doing events and selling from events that my superpower is selling without feeling like it's selling at at an event. So, you know, how to kind of move from the presentation and where you're giving all the great information into the sales pitch used to completely get me off my game. But um, yeah, you know, once I learned the process and 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 practiced quite a bit, you know, being able to easily move into the pitch area so it doesn't even feel like a pitch to myself, and it certainly doesn't feel like that for the audience as well. So I would say that's my little superpower.
1: So tell me more a little bit about that because I think that is the place where everyone can notice. like almost a physical change in people when they shift from this is content time to this is the sale time. And so uh, explain a little bit more about the nuances of what's happening there.
0: What happens to most people is exactly what you described. Okay, I go from content, now I'm going into sales. And when you approach it that way, then the person, the salesperson or the speaker is approaching it that way. And the way that you feel is oftentimes is portrayed onto the audience as well. So they they feel the same thing and feel that emotion because a lot of times, you know, we'll get a little tense, like this is the important part. And, you know, a really funny story. I was in London and I love going to different events just to see how the speakers do things. And a friend and I went to go see the Wolf of Wall Street, Jordan... Belfort, uh, do his, uh, three hour talk on power of persuasion, I think was what he was selling. And it was basically a three hour sales pitch and he did, he did pretty well up until the pitch time. And, and I don't think he'd ever, maybe he'd never been in England before. And the audience is a little bit different than the U S in terms of how you're able to pitch, but people started to get up and leave in droves Like. As he was starting to pitch, he was like, wait, wait, the best is yet to come. <laughs> like, why is everybody leaving? And I was like, oh, that was just a really bad crash and burn. I think he'd still made some money off of it. But it was just it was awkward to see, you know, just that that from a, a really good professional, right, to see just that shift. And you, you could tell he was flustered when he went into the pitch and the audience felt that and, and they just took off because they, they knew what was coming. And they're like, I'm not interested.
1: And that's so true that you, like the audience feels what you're feeling. Like they, they rise or fall to the level of energy that you're bringing to the room. And if you're bringing this frenetic stress, <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so nervous to do what I'm going to do next, energy, it impacts the sale.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so rather what I like to do now is make the, the pitch a continuation of the content. So a little bridge that I do now is, you know, I always ask for permission, right? So I would say, Hey, would it be okay if I go a little bit deeper into how you can start to implement these ideas that I just shared with you at a deeper level? And so people are thinking, well, yeah, of course, show me how I'm going to do that. And so then that enables me to go nicely into the pitch. But I treat the pitch like another learning section of the presentation or more content where I'm teaching them what they're going to get while they're going through my program. And then I just you know do the stack sometimes or, or just talk about what the program is and what their, their next step should be give me your email address, sign up for the program, see me in the back of the room, scan this QR code, whatever the call to action is. But then it, it becomes just a part of the content itself rather than the pitch.
1: Okay, I absolutely love everything you just said. I am a, a recapper. So I'm hearing that first you're asking them to for permission. And that permission almost is giving... You some peace of mind that they actually want what I'm gonna do next so that they're asking me to keep going and so perhaps that helps alleviate a little bit of the nerves is that right
0: right yeah so then I'm
1: also hearing then that you're treating that whole pitch segment as teaching and that's a mindset shift (laughs) It rem- And it feels epic to me. Uh, kind of like I was watching this video this week. Uh, Mel Robbins was interviewing... Uh, I wish I knew I her name. Her. Yes, she was interviewing someone, and they were talking about laundry and how laundry is a cycle. It's not anything that's ever done. So because there's, la- there's clothes that we're wearing that are dirty, and there's <laughs> clothes... <laughs>
0: So true. <laughs> there's, there's, Three times a week.
1: There's clothes that are you know, in the hamper. There's clothes that are in the laundry. There's, I mean, there's just, it's never, it's impossible for it to be done. And so we can't think of that as our goal because it's a cycle that we're moving at a pace that works for us. And, and that, that feel, felt like a monumental shift for her to say that, her guests to say that. And I feel like what you just said is the same. It's like this m- complete mindset shift that the whole time we're teaching. This part where we're making the offer, we just happen to be teaching about what they're going to get and what's going to be required of them and what the outcomes are going to be when they do the thing and what to do yeah. next. Right? Yep. Yeah.
0: Yep, absolutely. You're teaching them how to buy from you is, is another way of thinking about
1: it. Uh, t- teaching them how to buy from you and teaching them how to consume and take action on the thing that you're selling.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's
0: yeah, it's a mindset an epic, epic mindset
1: shift. Yeah, that might help take like, all the butterflies <laughs> that are in everyone's stomach and just go like put them to the side.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 Because at that point, if those butterflies are intensive because you're under enough stress when you're in front of an audience as it is. And then to add this other stress of, Oh my gosh, now I have to pitch and I have to make this worthwhile. There's just so much pressure to make a sale. Mm-hmm. And then, Crickets,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. right?
0: they're, they're, It's not going to because you're you're too tense. That intensifies the audience. Mm-hmm. Then they're like, "What's what? Why is he holding back? Like, what's going on up there? <laughs> oh, this is an awkward moment. He's probably trying to sell me something."
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, yeah. I I've been in. I, I think I think I'm blessed because the the first room I was ever in where there was a pitch was one of Brendan Burchard's rooms, and he happens, I think we both uh, are a fan of, of him as a mentor, and it is magical, and it's, it doesn't feel awkward, it feels so natural, he's one of the best in the business, and it, it feels like, I, I'm always surprised, like, oh, we were being sold an hour ago it started. <laughs>
0: it started at the first email you received. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. And I always I always tell people that if you haven't seen it done well, it is almost impossible for you to picture yourself. I'm a big visualizer. Yourself doing a a pitch that is seamless and feels effortless and is ex- hugely valuable to your guests
0: yeah yeah brendan is one of the best you know and and his his friends as well so like the bow mm-hmm. the um roger loves of the yes. world um you know even like tony robbins you know i love going to upw's just to watch the pitch mm. and you know upw uh, Unleash the power within is what a three day or a four day event, and he's like doing two days of it, um, and it's a four day pitch fest. I mean that that leads up to buying the next thing, yeah. and it's so elegant the way that he does it, the way that Brendan does it, that you know these really top level sellers do it, and you know by observing and modeling now we can get better. Ourselves and see what they're doing and, and get better by doing by watching.
1: Yeah, I just finished my first read. I will definitely read it again 100 Million Dollar Leads by Alex Hermosi. Oh, good. And it's phenomenal. And he calls out in there how important it is to watch and listen to commercials and to, to pitches and to mar- the marketing because it, because, and he almost treats it like a fun game to identify what pieces are where and what they're using as like wh- whatever, e- each of the pieces of <clears throat> a strong offer and where they're happening in the marketing. And so you're saying that you do that by when you go to events mm-hmm. and you're, you're a consumer yeah. of the pitches so that you can break down and understand what are they doing that's working and how can how can I model that and how can yeah. I teach that I mean I
0: yeah absolutely I even went to um Lakewood Church which is a, a mega church in Houston with Joel Olstein. Oh, yeah I was like uh, I, I feel like pastor. I've
1: heard the name of the church but I couldn't figure it out and then he said Joel yeah I'm familiar with um Joel yeah. and
0: he's a he's a great speaker um Regardless of you know religious or affiliations yeah. and things like that, but great speaker and it's all built up for donations. You know, and whether you like that or not, it it's irrelevant. But the the fact of the choreo- choreography of an event, it was and. and Again, that event, the, the church event, was just brilliantly done from the moment that you walk into the, the congregation. It's, it's programmed. Like everything, the smoke is there, the music starts slow, it gradually increases, it's high energy, and he comes out, he's like, ah. You know, and then you know, it, just you know, readings and everything, it's just it's so elegant. Mm-hmm. In, in leading up to the ask for donations, and I was like, and those buckets were full when they, they went around too. It was amazing to watch. I've
1: been following Sarah Jakes Roberts on online, and I think it's I think that's her name. Uh, she just took over mm-hmm. as pastor of her father's church, and it's mega like their her event. Yeah coming up. Women Evolve, I think it's called, is going to be in a a sports stadium. There's going to be so many people there. And um, you you just put an idea in my head. It's so important that we get out and see stuff and see how it's being modeled or see how it's done well so that we can go model it ourselves and to not feel constrained by our niche or yep. industry that and it, it, it's uh kind of like you think that there's only offers happening in one in you know this kind of space where people are selling digital products uh, or masterminds right. or retreats or whatever and, but it's, it's actually happening in all over all over yeah um so smart so Talk to us a little bit about specific tactics that you teach that help people like the, okay, let's take a show of hands who's ready to go learn more about how they could implement this in their life, like the asking permission piece. What are other things that you teach that have really moved the needle for for your students?
0: Yeah, well, number one is personal story. Mm -hmm. So how to craft your own personal story in a way that doesn't sound like it's it's you know just for you mm. but you are involving the audience in that personal story so um you know everybody you know immediately <laughs> says well but I don't have any near-death experiences or rags to riches stories right. to share I was like well don't think about the tragedies in your life then <laughs> think about some of the comedies as well and have a good combination of comedies and tragedies that move the audience to understand why you're passionate about what you're talking about today Mm -hmm. and you know for for coaches and for you know course creators and 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 creatives that is I think even more important because now they understand kind of your passion behind why you created this course or why you're coaching people in a certain way. So then they can go, yes, you're part of my tribe. This is what I want. I believe in you and I believe in your product as well. So, you know, they're able to kind of go on that journey with you and see themselves in your story when you do the story properly. And I always like to kind of weave that story in and out of the presentation. So you know, you do story time, then you do teaching moments, and then story, then teaching, story, teaching, and then pitch. And then, you know, and, and just okay, well, sorry, kind of just weaves people around in a nice kind of, um, I call it a roller coaster ride of emotions mm-hmm. uh, to take them to where you want to take them at the end.
1: Yeah, so good. I, I definitely feel that when I'm in an audience and, you know, it's like, like you said, like a Roger or a Beau or a, or a Brendan, where they are taking us on a journey. And I think, you know, back to what I said earlier, it's so important that we know as the event host that we're in charge of the room. It's our job to manage the energy in the room. And so you're saying that using story is one way to kind of either get them excited or get them serious about a specific point. So I, I love to keep a notepad open on my phone that is a list of stories that I could potentially mm-hmm. tell someday. What do you what do you tell people? on? i guess the first step would be just collecting them recognizing that you you are full of stories
0: yeah that is that is absolutely correct the first step is always taking an inventory of moments Mm. in life and i don't quite tell them say story at that point but (laughs) moments in your life where you've learned something about yourself Mm. about what's possible about the world and you know you could go all the way back to you know your first memories, you know, mm-hmm. four years old, five years old, up until you know yesterday, you know, and collect all of these stories. And most most of us, it's just human nature. We always tend to err on the side of tragedy because right. those are what we typically remember. But don't forget the good good stories as well, because that can be inspirational for people and motivational for people uh, when told the proper way. Um, and the, and the tragedy kind of gets people on your side and gets your, get them rooting for you as you overcome the tragedy. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then the, the comedy is, can be the, the same thing, but the very first thing that you need to do is have that inventory of stories. And then the second, and this is probably the most important after having a list of stories is finding out which story has the most emotional impact or charge to it. And what I mean by emotional charge is um, a technique that I take my students through is we go through each of the stories and I ask them to put themselves in that time, in that place, in that story. And I'm observing them, but I'm also asking them to observe their own physiology Mm -hmm. to see if there's a change in heart rate, I, I can see them shifting their seats a little bit, getting a little nervous or laughing or even, you know, a tear shed, but I'm looking for the, those emotional reactions to the stories. And then we go through and we list out the top three that have the most emotional charge to them. And nine times out of 10, they're the three stories that they don't want to tell, oh, no. <laughs> but that they have to, but they have to tell those stories. And, and then we work, we work through that, work through the nerves and those become the best stories. I had, I had one, one client and she had, she had just a, such a heartbreaking story where she was a a police officer, but she went in to the academy at 39 years old, left, left an advertising career, a really lucrative advertising career to go into policing. And she was 39 years old, never shot a gun before, and she was expected to have a certain proficiency, I hope for police officers anyway, a certain proficiency in terms of shooting, and she just wasn't getting it, and she was having a test. and But basically, we worked around her story of where she was actually thinking about using that gun on herself. Wow. And, and... Uh, when I first heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, are you comfortable with this? And I was like, because if you are, this is going to be an amazing mm-hmm. like, showstopper. And we, that was the impact moment. So I had her start her talk at that point. And we always come up with an impact moment or impact statement, uh, a sentence that grabs the audience's attention from the very beginning so that they pay attention. So I never have somebody come out on stage and go, oh, thank you so much, Sarah, for introducing me. That was a very lovely introduction. I'm glad yes. that I'm here. Oh, hi, Joe, I see you over there. So, and that's, oh, ah! You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, stop the presentation at that point. Nobody's listening. Yes. So instead, she comes out on stage and she's, she just looks at the audience, takes a breath, and, and says, I was sitting in my blue BMW that had seen better days with my service revolver sitting on my lap, thinking about ending it all that day. Mm. And I, and she videotaped this for me so I could review. And I heard an audible gasp from the audience. Like, <gasps> and I, I couldn't see the audience, but I could hear them. And I'm sure they are all like, put all their phones down. They were like on the edge of their chairs, leaning in, wanting to know the rest of the story. And it like, that is how you grab an audience's attention. And again, it doesn't have to be a tragedy. It doesn't have to be a near life suicide attempt or anything like that. Um, You can always grab people's attention in many different ways. And that's the way to start the presentation and, and then it just it, and then you just take them on a roller coaster ride from there, because you have them in the palm of your hand at that
1: point. Wow. Oh, I love, I love the permission you gave all of us not to have, be writing down fully fleshed out stories or even things that we think are stories. You said just write down, just start a log of moments of your life and that feels like a weight is lifted off my shoulders (laughs) that it seems like an easy way to get started and capturing moments in our life that could be worth retelling in an event situation as a way of managing the energy in the room and bringing people along on a journey. Through our yeah. our whole presentation and up through the offer, that's so good. Uh, it, it's it's and the more you talk about how you helped her, it it is telling me that this is really an area where we can benefit so much from a coach who knows exactly mm-hmm. how to like help us then triage our moments into what are the ones worth diving a little deeper into, creating stories out of, flushing out, and, and then how to put that into a, a talk. So good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs>
1: so if stories and bringing people on that emotional roller coaster, that journey, if you will, are really nice tool to have in our, our, our tool bag, what else? Is maybe something even simpler that we can do, like a raise your hand if you're interested, you know, asking for permission to keep going. What's something else you, you teach your students?
0: Yeah, so like that's, that's a really great example the, the raise your hand. And whether you're doing a webinar or a live event, um, having your audience do things with you along the way, starting from the very beginning is, is programming them to then take some type of action, Mm. right? So getting them to raise their hand. And I always, whenever I'm, I'm getting audience participation, I always raise my hand too, because we're, we're all mirrors, right? Hey, does this, you know, does this resonate with anybody out there? Have you been in a situation like this too? Just let me know right and you know it's like Pavlov's dog right they start to drool when the bell rings and so while you're doing that now when you get to the pitch they're already pre-programmed to kind of do things that you're asking so go ahead and grab out that pen of yours okay I got my pen okay write down your name your phone number your email address now go ahead and tick that box that says I want more information Right. Now reach into your back pocket, grab out your credit card, <laughs> and take those sixteen numbers, and then just—not—not just, not quite like that. Right. But you get the idea that it just becomes this thing where it Simon says, right? I say this, you do this. It's pretty easy to program an audience if you do it from the very beginning and do it in a in a non-annoying way.
1: But I also think that it's it's twofold. Like you're also training yourself. To do that, to make that ask uh, yep. of people, many many times, like, it's like one of those. It's a like trial closes.
0: Um, yep, trial close
1: And, yep. it, but it's it's helping you too because you've already a dozen times in the presentation. Okay, raise your hand if, and now we're gonna do it going into the pitch. Raise your hand if you. Feel like you want to know more about how you put whatever the, the asking yeah. the permission to go into the pitch so good yeah 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 and then
0: I, I do want to share one other nugget that every speaker needs to pay attention to so it's we can walk and we can talk mm-hmm. but we don't do those at the same time So what I, what, I, and what I mean by that is in your presentation, like you don't want to be a tennis match, right? It's just like pacing back and forth across the stage. It's like everybody's going to have to see a chiropractor after they're done. But rather pick three areas on the stage that represent um, a teaching moment. And I always do center stage for teaching moments, upstage, center. And then another area for past, and another area for for future. Mm. So when you're talking about the past, go to one area. When you're talking about the future, go to another area. And when you're teaching, go to the middle. Teaching pitching, go to the middle. And then you use the natural pauses that are in your presentation to do the walking. And so you know, and this does a couple things. One, it allows you to have the power of the pause. And power of silence in your presentation and it doesn't seem awkward because you're walking during the pause and it could be you know a half a second you know you know, yeah. two or three steps but just that pause enables your audience to catch up mm-hmm. and and do the processing in their brain of what you've already gone through and so the the natural times to move are you know when you're talking about a story you're in story time when you're teaching you go to teaching section and when you're you know talking about the past you go to the past part so you have this triangle of where you're going and it's in you know you just kind of choreograph it and it looks visually it looks a lot better than just like randomly walking all over the stage yes. and you know we've all like been in you've post- seen those. we've all been
1: in rooms where someone has paced and it's <laughs> made us dizzy yeah
0: yeah yeah, no, we've all done it, it too probably at some point
1: <laughs> feels nerve-wracking yeah.
0: yeah yeah what
1: would you say that's this fabulous tip um, i think everyone's got a visual now of what how to now it's just about practicing
0: <laughs> yeah
1: what do you what do you tell people who really have like a bodily reaction not a good one to oh my gosh now i'm pitching and yeah. how, how do you help them overcome that?
0: Yeah, it, it's repetition. And that primarily, whether you're giving a, a just a regular talk, those nerves come from not knowing the outcome. So if you're confident in the outcome that you're going to give, so always the first time I do a, do a talk that I haven't done before, I am practicing it word for word in the mirror in video. I'm reviewing that probably ten to fifteen more times than I would a normal talk, okay? Because I want to be so fluid with that that there's there's nothing tripping me up, sure. you know. Five people leave the room. I'm no worries. I know exactly what I'm going to go on to next. Yeah. And, and especially working on that transition from your content to the pitching moment. So we work a lot on just repetition, repetition, repetition. So it just becomes second nature. And when it becomes second nature, you know, that what um, uh, unconscious competence, yes. then then you're 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 in the moment you're enjoying it your audience is enjoying yeah. it you're having fun and it, things are just like rolling yeah and you're at ease and when people see you at ease and you're giving a great talk then it's it's not nerve-wracking at all
1: i've been in the back of the room because i i am an executive producer for bigger conferences where there's that needed bridge between technical production and and the business and just kind of make sure everything that's supposed to happen on stage happens. And I have noticed where some event hosts have decided to pull back and not do their full pitch. And my, my gut feel is that they got... Nervous. They just decided to do the the short mini. Okay. Well, if you want to know more, I do this coaching thing. I go to the back of the room, and I always it's such a disservice to yeah. their guests, right? Who there's a portion of every audience who wants more and would like to be with you and would like to continue, of course. But I I'm wondering if this if I'm also seeing someone that's not prepared. Someone that hasn't done this, this like a lot of repetition of the entire talk, especially this very important pitch part, and they because they haven't done it so many times, it's very easy for them to be like, ah, this feels like it might be a little hard to continue on for the next half hour. So I'm just gonna make it easier on myself and do the easy version, which is, you all saw that in your pamphlet. If you want, more. Yeah, exactly, to do nothing. <laughs> yeah, and then their sales uh, were a reflection of that. So of course, you're saying yeah. the answer is rehearse it so much that your body wants to do nothing else other than <laughs> keep going and do the thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're still gonna get those nerves, mm-hmm. but because of your preparation, mm-hmm. It's, they're going to be mm-hmm. greatly reduced and your audience isn't going to feel that either.
1: Yeah, Back to my obsession with Alex Hermozzi currently. I just watched his... He's got like a 10-minute YouTube on preparing for that book launch event that he just did in, mm. in August. And he's one thing that struck me was like I'll just I'll be nothing if not prepared and I'm just I've rehearsed this like every word like is strategic and every pause and the hour hour and a half that he was on stage he rehearsed over and over and over and over again yeah. so
0: <laughs> and it showed yeah yeah it was so good it showed
1: yeah it was so good
0: it was so seamless like I had my credit card out ready
1: to buy. <laughs> like I don't, whatever it is, you're selling. I'm, whatever, it's I'm ready. And then he was like, "And it's free."
0: <laughs> and the credit card went back <laughs> into my wallet. <laughs> no, then I bought the book. So it's like, so.
1: I did. I don't. He gave the book out for free, and I'm like, "No, I still actually would like to buy it."
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I still
0: Isn't is. that incredible? I mean, the. the the value and and this is a great lesson too. Like the value and the stories that he shared while doing that whole event led up to people. I'm sure everybody had a price in their mind. It's like okay, if it is at this certain rate, I will buy whatever he's selling. Mm-hmm. And you know when it went down to zero, then they're like, oh, this is crazy. This, but mm-hmm. the whole idea was to sell the book. Mm-hmm which now he created this huge amount of reciprocity yes. with the audience. It's like, oh, you're giving all this. Well, of course I'm going to buy your book. You know? Yeah,
1: yeah of course. It's the, least, it's
0: the least I could do. Least... Yeah, but I'm not going to buy one. I'm going to buy three so I can get the stupid hat, too.
1: Right, right. It's not a stupid hat. It's the hat Alex wears. Why wouldn't we all want it? So smart. That's right. And... Yes. I, yeah, that Brilliant. building Brilliant. of the goodwill, but I guess the whole his whole book is all about we'll just do more. And yeah. and that's what he did in this preparation. He just did more preparation than others do. And so we need to be willing if we want that outcome, which is a profitable event, that we need to be willing to do the work and what you're telling us is the work is Rehearsing.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. If you go to a Broadway play or West End play or any play, they've rehearsed mm. months mm-hmm. and months and months. These actors, you know, that is their job. They don't just roll up on opening night and then yeah. the production yeah. happens. I doesn't happen.
1: I was in um, on vacation this summer where there's an outdoor theater, and <sighs> In the middle of the woods, this idyllic, and I was my um, my kiddo's friends with uh, a kid of the actors, and so we went to one of the shows, and then we we're having like a play date uh, the next day, and they're like, "Oh, could you um, could you watch our kid while we do rehearsal?" And I was thinking to myself, like, like it's just the same show that you just did, and you've been doing it for weeks. And that, that was what was going through my head. Like, why would you why would you spending like a, several hours during the day doing the rehearsal? And you're just going to you did it last night. You're going to do it again tonight. And it was like an understudy was going to be filling in on one of the roles. So they just wanted to do another full rehearsal, even though that understudy had done many, many, many rehearsals. But, you know, it maybe been a few days or weeks. And so they're just going to do another one. And it just it really was kind of mind blowing. I'm not in that space, but they're they're doing that much practice. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we just underestimate that the people who are good are just good because that's who they are. It's it's not the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They they they, they yeah. practice. They worked with a coach like you to fine tune the stories that they would tell at each moment and what, where they would start the story and like all that stuff. Um, I, I think, yeah, it's, it's, uh it's empowering as an entrepreneur to be like, Oh yeah, all I have to do is just like do the work and like hire a coach Let's like you. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's also like painful because like, Oh my gosh, another thing that I have to like, learn yeah. and get better at but it's possible and what you're telling us is just we just have to like learn and do the work so if that's the case yep. and if someone is like okay i'm loving what tom is putting down today how can they get a hold of you and what do you, what do you help people with
0: yeah so uh Best way to get a hold of me uh, would be on the website and actually have a free gift for your listeners Yay. as well. So they can go to Tom Jacobs, J-A-C-K-O-B-S.com. So T-O-M-J-A-C-K-O-B-S dot okay. com slash storybook. And that is how to put together their personal story. And when they download that, there'll be a, a training as well where it's a live or a video of me going through. Uh, with a client rearranging her story to make it more dramatic. So they can download that, get the, um, get the training as well. And that will get you on my list. So then I'll email you. Um, And the other is just going to the website and I have all my social media channels on there as well. So they can look at me there. But generally what I help people with and, and who I help are, what I consider heart centered salespeople. Okay. So, and what that means to me is people that are in an industry where they're helping people help themselves. Mm-hmm. So personal mm-hmm. development, health and wellness is really the biggest niche that I work on work in. And these are typically folks that are nurturers by nature and introvert. Mm-hmm. Many are introverted like myself yeah. and just don't Don't want to sell because selling is icky and just it's something that you do to somebody. Well, sales is not a verb, so don't treat it as such. Um, Maybe it is a verb. I don't know. Anyway, uh, it is not something that you do to somebody. It's something to help somebody do something more with their lives. You know, sales to me is you're a problem solver. Somebody has a problem. You're there to solve it for them if you can. If you can't, you, re- you refer them out to somebody else who can. But if you can help them, it's your duty and obligation to enroll them in your program. So that's, um, so typically help people with their presentation, turning that into a performance so that they can get more profits in their business. And that's the three P method.
1: So good, I- I'm just a firm believer in getting good at what you teach people at because my life was changed by getting in the room and being moved to buy the thing. And I I just can't underline enough how powerful that was for me and how grateful I am for life. And if I had gotten in the room where someone sucked at it, (laughs) it wouldn't have changed my life. So, for the better. Yep. And so, I just think it's something yep. that we all owe it to ourselves and our communities to get better at. I'm grateful yeah, you're that's there. So well <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Thank so, mm. thank you so much for joining me. I know it's late for you because where are you? Uh, where are we uh, talking to each other from?
0: I am in Taiwan. And, uh, oh.
1: Uh, Which cross is the, off
0: the coast of China.
1: Across the globe from where I'm at in Portland. So thank you so much for yeah. joining me so late at no, night great. and uh, I've thoroughly pleasure. enjoyed our conversation and I'm so glad uh, the universe made our paths cross and I look forward to staying in touch. Thank you
0: Tom. Thank you Sarah, appreciate it.
1: Thank you for listening to the Green Room Central Podcast. If you loved this episode, then please take a screenshot on your phone and post it to Instagram and be sure to tag at Sarah Fafer and let me know why you liked it and what you'd like to hear or who you'd like to hear from in the future. That'll help me know what to create for you. Also, if scaling events in your business sounds like something you want to tackle this year and you need a coach, let's connect to see if one-on-one coaching is for you. Just go to greenroomcentral.com. You and I can work together one on one throughout the course of the year and dive deep into the inner workings of your events and business. You'll receive mentorship, personalized feedback, and customized guidance to define your goals and achieve your next level of success. Just go to greenroomcentral.com right now to apply. I appreciate your commitment to leveling up and learning the mindset and strategy of live events. Keep going, keep learning. If you want more, head over to greenroomcentral.com for show notes and all the links from today's episode.